Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Football Show's Prospects to Pros. Hello and welcome to Prospects to Pros, sponsored by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. I am your host, Nate Tice. We have our first mailbag of the season, first mailbag that we have done as a pairing, as a duo, the duo being me, Nate Tice, and as always, the athletics draft expert, Dane Brugler. How are you doing today, Dane? I'm doing good. Still feeling a little... Uh... A little uh, numb from that uh, Chubb injury last night, but oh, uh, you know what? It's uh, you gotta you gotta power through, and that's it's just I don't know. I think all of us in the NFL uh, around the league just it couldn't happen to a wor- to a, a better guy, you know. That's right, the thing, right. and so it's if so if anyone could battle back from it, it's Chubb. He has a guy that had a left knee injury before. Um, the guy's you know he's made out of vibranium, anyways. You know, like he's he's going to be able to bounce back. It's just how long is it going to take? And, you know, I, the Browns have some contract decisions to make at the running back position. So uh, what does this mean for the Browns this year? There's so many uh, in the way, especially the way the game played out last at last night. Right. It, 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 so many questions come from that injury, but uh, it's just, just a shame because uh, such a good player, such a good guy. Uh, by all accounts, supposed to be just a tremendous human, just a tremendous person and everything. Great teammate, everything you want from a football player. And I think it's there is something about when a guy gets hurt and it's just that look of defeat right away. Like mm. where it's just like they know where they're just yeah. like, yeah, that that's it. It, it. Oh, that that one. Those are the ones that I mean, yeah, a person really making a lot of noise when they get hurt, too. But like those are the ones that just like, man, they really sink in, especially a star like that, like you're saying. And I think it's going to be extremely interesting for what happens with this Browns team because of those, some of the struggles with the passing game and, yeah. and some of the stuff that they're trying to blend together. So a lot of elements. I hope, I hope Nick Chubb comes back because he's one of the best players in the league at any position. And I mean, just such a dynamic talent. So hopefully it gets healthy. That does stink. Yeah. That does stink overall. It oh, really does. Big opportunity for uh, Jerome Ford. Jerome uh, Ford. Second year guy who um, I think you liked him maybe a little bit more than I did, but I did. you know, I still, I, I got that like fourth round uh, type of yeah. grade on him. And that was a third I, round. It wasn't like yeah. that was super super high. Yeah, but. right. And so this is a big opportunity. I mean, he's he has speed. He's got some yeah. some burst to him. It's just a matter of and he, he's playing behind a really good offensive line. Right. Um, but to your point about the passing game, um, I mean, Stefanski and and Watson have to be on the same page, or it's yeah. not going to matter. So it, it's going right. to start with the quarterback and play caller, and then how everything just. Uh, evolves from there. That'll yeah. kind of tell the story of the rest of this Brown season. Yeah, that that the floor of that run game was so high with Chubb that it, they could they could have time to take you know take their time with the passing game. And now it's like, well, this has got to be show ready. <laughs> like you're yeah. on air, like very very quickly. And I think some people were starting. I think people were starting to realize what we saw last season from that passing game with Deshaun Watson, and now early this season, it's like, yeah, this is becoming a trend. And now, like yeah. you said, I like Jerome Ford, but he's not Nick Chubb. No. So it's it's going to be very very interesting in the next couple of weeks. So having said all that, got a little weekly talk with that. Let's get to our first mailbag question. I'm excited to do this. Uh, thank you guys for sending in all the responses on Twitter and to my email. Uh, I, I I've learned a lesson to maybe make a separate email for this type of stuff. So uh, <laughs> lessons learned as you're hosting your first mailbag question, but uh, from mailbag show. So here's the first question from Arrowhead Price uh, from. Twitter, he noticed I or his tweet. I've noticed the deliberate avoidance of Michael Penix Jr. Is this just the injury history? Is the league just way out on him for that reason? Others in draft media see him as a possible QB three for 2024. Dane, where do you want to start with Michael Penix Jr. from Washington quarterback? Yes, Washington quarterback. Um, you know, I this is a legitimate Heisman contender. Um, yep. This is a guy that is. You can make the argument Washington is one of the best offenses in college football. This is yeah. a legitimate 
college football playoff contender. Um, you know, the Pac-12's got a lot of good quarterbacks. Michael Penix is right up there in terms of college quarterbacks. Now, as as a prospect, uh, I've studied all three of his games this year. Um, I think the number one takeaway from his film is the Washington receivers are really good. Uh, yeah, and we, we've talked about them a little bit before. Uh, Rome Odunze is one of the best in the country. Good size, speed athlete, really coordinated ball catcher. Uh, the accuracy with Penix, it's just okay. It's not, I would not call it a strength to his game, but that allows a guy like Odunze to consistently bail him out and really show off that catch radius. I mean, he's making the full Cal extension Johnson grabs. Highlights. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where he's he, catching he's, behind him. It's like, oh, that's awesome. But it's like the throw's pretty crap. <laughs> right. Like there's so many of these targets that are going to him that I'm like, okay, why is why does he have to why are his feet off the ground right now? Like they shouldn't have to be, yeah. but he needs to jump and be make this full extension grab. Um, you know, Dunze, I mean he made my top fifty. No surprise. You know, he's yeah. He's making a strong case for first-round status. Jalen McMillan's probably the best route runner uh, of Washington's wideouts. Yeah. Works mostly out of the slot. Uh, nice tempo. He can free himself he's pretty really easily. He's really improved, too, I, I yeah. thought. I, he's looked really good this year. Yeah, keep going, sorry. He has, yeah. No, yeah. And, and then Polk, the other one. Uh, yep. Washington could have 3,000-yard receivers this year. Like that. That's how good this offense is. Um, but back to Penix, I, I, I just – He's really confident. He's really aggressive as a quarterback. And I love his eagerness to use the entire field. Uh, but like I said, I don't think you come away from his film saying ball placement's a strength for him. Yeah. And on paper, I think people are maybe surprised by that because the completion percentage looks great. I mean, it looks looks awesome on paper, yeah. but the tape says something different. And aside from the receivers, Penix really benefits from that Washington offensive line. He has, I looked it up, over 700 dropbacks at Washington the last year and change. He's been sacked only five times. The blocking is giving That's him crazy. time sit in the pocket, find a target. So I don't know. What have your been, uh, impressions been of, of Pinnock so far? Yeah, the, the accuracy stuff comes up. And I, I think exactly what you say. You look at the stat lines and then you look even how far he's pushing the ball. And you're like, oh, wow, that must be something's cooking there. And there is something cooking. The offense is awesome. The designs are awesome. The, the pass catchers, like you mentioned, the offensive line. It's a really, really fun offense. Um, and there is some talent. Like he does have some arm pop to his arm and he yeah. can push the ball and drive the ball. There is so much issues with his footwork and his timing that that's where I, I get very hesitant, especially for someone that has, you know, he's an older player. And he also has medical history, so he also has those kind of blemishes to start off with. But he overstrides a yes. lot as a thrower, and that's throws off the timing. To, uh, yes, it makes things late. It's a Byron Leftwich problem. It makes things yeah. late. It's elongated, and it, it leads to sprays, the overthrows. If you notice at Penix, he misses everything high. And yeah. if you're listening to this right now, and you can't just overstride, stride like really long, like you're almost stretching. Watch what your shoulder does. It lifts up, and that's what he does time again. He gets away with it right now, and there's some times where he makes some good throws, and it's good, but then there's times where it sprays, and like you said, the pass catcher jumps up, and he's wide open anyways. So the room for error is just so great. He has the longer throwing process, and also just the he's not the quickest processor at this point in time. It does take a second for him to pull the trigger, and then the trigger takes forever to pull. Yes. <laughs> so it's, and, and it's with the anticipation as well. Like he's this. a lot of times he's waiting for the receiver to come open or yep. a guy to come out of his break. Got it it's, in there. Right. And then, yep. okay, I'm going to fire it. And yep. like you said, he can get away with that now yes. against Pac-12 defenses or against Michigan State's defense. That's not going to be the case against NFL nope. uh, teams. And so, no, I agree. I, I mean, that matches up with my notes. I wrote down yeah. how in, inconsistent tempo in his drops. Uh, it easily throws off his timing, his accuracy. He can throw the ball. 50 yards, no problem. But, oh, but yeah. I, you know, I think that, like, so he has some really pretty nine routes, post routes, um, where he's he's putting the ball out for his receivers to go make a play. But on some of the more timing throws, um, and, and he can drive it, but because he does wait, there are often times where he's just, there are throws he shouldn't make where it's from the opposite hash and he's trying to go the other way. And I love that eagerness to use the entire field. But he's just not going to get away with those throws yep. with his level of arm strength in the NFL. There's not a lot of finesse there right now. And, yeah. and it's just you you want to see when you're taking a guy, especially as people are talking about him as like want to anoint him as a first rounder. It's like, no, it's, there's got to be so much more. Time right. We're talking like, about 
him in the context of quarterback three. We're not saying yes. like he's should have be drafted and he belongs Correct. in the CFL and or, I have you know, like a whatever. late third, early fourth on him right now. Like in the, like yeah. I'm kind of hovering that fourth round range with him right now. There's a much better weird. chance of him going fourth round than yeah. being a true contender for quarterback three. I, I think yeah. that's and that's, that's fine. Like that's there's that's nothing know, to right. scoff that's at. You know, like that's quarterback. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, it, he'll he'll be drafted. He'll be yep. in the NFL. He'll be in a camp. He'll be on a team. And you know, we'll see where he goes from there. But based on what we've seen so far, I just don't think he's a, a realistic contender for quarterback three. Yep, and I would agree with that. Okay. All right. So our our to the next one also from Twitter. This is from Tyler Green <laughs> with four ends. <laughs> four ends. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, does Sanders Shadur Sanders have a realistic chance to battle Drake May for the number two overall pick? Dane, how, what do you think there? Uh, so I still think it's a, a long shot that anyone except Drake May is that second quarterback drafted. But I'm, it's September. I'm keeping an open mind to this because, uh, it's, well, for. A few reasons. First, how Shadur Sanders has played. Um, I did a film room this week on The Athletic, breaking down that Colorado State tape. And, man, the poise and presence that he plays with is just it, – it's so impressive. Um, you know, it's not all perfect. Uh, <laughs> but, man, he, he the that poise that he plays with, there's something there. There's there's something to that. Um, I, I, I The other reason, I can understand why some won't be head over heels – about May because of some of the reckless tendencies. Uh, three games this year, he has the same number of interceptions as he does touchdown passes. And that speaks to an offense that's still trying to find itself. New offensive yeah. coordinator, the weapons are, you know, uh, relatively new. So I, I still think that, you know, that will, he'll finish with far more touchdowns and interceptions when it's all said and done. But this early, it's still an offense trying to find themselves. Um, and this is, it's also something interesting um, that I was talking to a scout about Sanders. He mentioned how with Sanders, he threw out the possibility he doesn't think it, it, Sanders is necessarily a lock to enter this draft. Uh, he might just choose to stay at Colorado one more year, and he made some good points. First, you know, you have the NIL money. No, yeah. it's not the same as top 10 money, but if let's just say Sanders, he's considered a top 50 guy, but he's not convinced he'll be a top 10, top 15 pick. Right. Colorado's the biggest brand in college football right now. The NIL money that he can get from uh, from that, it, it's it's crazy. It, it could yeah. definitely make him feel better about putting off the NFL for one more year. And then secondly, you look at this Colorado roster, they're going to be in position to add some big-time recruits or, or transfers uh, in the transfer portal in this offseason. I mean, who wants – there's a lot of guys looking at what's going on in Colorado saying – I want to be part of that. I want to yeah. play for Dion. The and, rocks and, on the sideline, masterpiece yeah. on the sideline. Right. Like, and, yeah, and I want to be you're, here. In the current state of college football, you can just get up and transfer if you want. Like that, yep. that's a thing. And so, yep. um, obviously, it's not quite that simple. I mean, it, but it, it, it's much easier than it was before. And so, you look at uh, this Colorado team. You make a few additions in recruiting in the portal. They're a realistic contender for. A national title uh, in 2024. Remember the college football playoff, they expand to 12 teams yes. next year. So Travis Hunter will be back uh, one more year. Would it really be a shock if they decide to uh, run things back? Right. And, and run, make a, another little two-year cycle and yeah. really launch themselves. Because we got to see once they get into this thick of the schedule too, so the USC and Oregon and all that. That's it. Which Oregon be, this weekend. Yeah. Yes. That's going to be very, very fun. Uh, it's – I. Okay, I'm a big fan of May anyways, and I have Sanders has the first half of the last game against Colorado State, and I watched every snap. That, that game was a lot of fun, just period. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love late-night football anyways, like late, late-night football West Coast games, but like that one was – that was – Whew, that was some good stuff. It's two thirty uh, on the East Coast, and when that game's over, and like there's still, I, I mean, I was glued to the TV. I know I was, a lot of people that awesome. were. It's crazy. So many cool moments in that game, but yeah. and and Sanders in the first half, I was like, okay, come on, like this, we got to see a little more. He wasn't really pushing the ball, and they were doing a great job of Colorado State's defense. And then when things opened up in that fourth quarter, and seeing him driving on some throws over the middle, yes, Colorado State was just running cover two, but he hasn't beaten that yet. And now he's beating that. And that's what you want to see. And this is why I get high on guys is they improve. You want guys to be <laughs> launching into the league. You don't want them plateauing into the league. You want to see them getting better at the small things. So seeing him ascend in that second half has made me a little bit higher on him than maybe I was even going into that. Having said all that, 
I still don't think he's anywhere near at this point in time to May, <laughs> even yeah. with the, the box score line with May. I don't think people – and I get it. It's North Carolina. They're playing middle of the afternoon games, uh, not not getting all these headlines like Colorado is, is even with the interceptions, which he's had four. I'd say three of them I'm kind of mad at him about. Uh, Reckless, yeah. Reckless. Definitely. Just trying to do too much, which was my issue right. with him going into the year. Sometimes he tries to do a little too much. How mm-hmm. he's responded to them and the throws that he makes and the athlete he is, it's – He's he's really special, guys. Like I, I I'm a big fan of him, but he does some things that are like up there. Like he's he's I to me is like almost basically unless he just totally bottoms out, which I think is the opposite. I think they're really finding their footing and really starting to ascend. I think he's just a, a pen, a marker in of top five. That's how I view him. Anyway, so I would I would I agree with you. I mean, I yeah, like I said, I'm keeping an open mind, but I it is yeah. a long shot that. It's a lot. He's going to fall out of top five, fall out of being that but quarterback. But it's not too. off the board. And that that's that's what you're trying yeah. to say, too. Is that like anything right. can happen? We never know. <laughs> like, right. look, how, look how fast Joe Burrow rose up the boards. Like, you know, I know that's a once in a kind of decade kind of yeah. thing, but it's like you never know. You just never know. And, and that doesn't mean that's necessarily the right thing. I mean, Zach Wilson, for example. I mean, right. the way he rose with the hot start he had at BYU and yep. in hindsight, how, okay, maybe there were a few more red flags there. And, uh, but, you know, it happens. So, yeah, it but I, no, I'm with you drake may for the all the reasons we liked him coming in yeah. those reasons are still there um it's, and he's a player that's getting he is getting better even if it doesn't yeah. manifest itself in the box score he he oh, he's uh, the quarterback after my heart man like he is just size arm strength yeah scrambling he tries stuff every every drive he's trying big boy throws and that gets him in trouble but then it's also it's just man, he he's got a really fun package. So I'm excited. All these guys, I, there's 20 quarterbacks we could talk about every week, and it's so cool watching them. Just kind of the ebbs and flows of this week or of this season. Speaking of of quarterbacks, and speaking of the QB three race potentially, um, Adams up profit. That's, some of these Twitter handles are just so funny to say out loud. Adams up profit uh, said what or asked what would JJ McCarthy, quarterback from Michigan, need to put on film this year to solidify himself as QB three to you. What specifically do you see as a weakness in his game? Conversely, what are things he excels at? Dan, I know McCarthy was your QB3 going into the season. Yeah. After a month, What what's kind of your updated take on McCarthy? Well, uh, two games going into the year, J.J. McCarthy was looking like the no-doubt quarterback three in this draft. Uh, he, was, you know, he was cooking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he was looking great against uh, subpar competition, but – he struggled pretty bad uh, against Bowling Green on Saturday, and that's what you worry about with him. It's just it's all about consistency. And, and coming into the year, he was my quarterback three because of the size, the athleticism, the arm, the intangibles, all in the plus category. But I also put him at quarterback three, projecting better consistency um, out of him throughout this season. And you know, we have to remember he this is second year as a starter, so he's still just a very young player. The, the rawness uh, element to his game, uh, it should be expected. But now, okay, your second year's a starter. Let's see you turn that into more consistency. Uh, but this is a quarterback with all the tools. And so we're seeing his development in real time this year. Uh, he's a playmaker out of the pocket. I love his creativity. Uh, he's a four or five athlete, throws well on the run. I want to see him be more consistent picking apart defenses from the pocket, especially when he has to step up, work on a second or third read. Can he do those things consistently and also be accurate? So like I mentioned, uh, was it East Carolina, the first one, UNLV, the second game. We saw those things where he was on point. Uh, he worked inside uh, or outside of structure. Uh, he was delivering strikes to every level of the field. We saw anticipation throws. But then against Bowling Green, he reverted back to that inconsistent version, the raw version of McCarthy that we saw at times last year. And, you know, the the thing that I struggle with with McCarthy also is with uh, just the, the Michigan schedule. And it's just, it's really tough from an evaluation perspective. It is. They, they don't play anybody. I mean, they're going to be double-digit favorites uh, until November. Yeah. When they November. when they go to Happy Valley and face yep. Penn State. That's it. So, and then obviously they'll have Ohio State and then beyond, whether that's the playoffs or whatever. But, um, you know, I just, you know, they've got Rutgers this weekend, which, you know, Rutgers is a, a solid defense. They've got a corner yeah. that could be drafted next year. They, they, they've got some guys, but um, just wish there was better competition to more right. fairly evaluate J.J. McCarthy. It's it's the good and bad because you want to see them try what they do, uh, right. see what they try to do against good competition and see what they can get away with or what they can uh, accomplish 
and or see what punishes them. And so when you see it against lesser competition, you're kind of always like, is that kind of a fluke thing? Is that actually what you are? And and what you're saying too with McCarthy is that my biggest thing with him was well, one adding to his frame. I want to see that? But he is a yep. good athlete, and and so that's always one way to kind of mitigate it. And he has decent size, solid size actually, um, height. I mean, <laughs> but right. uh, frame, it, right. frame, yeah, frame, length and, right. and height. Yes. Uh, but it's was pushing to the outside sometimes was that he would be that, that hair late that you were kind of just mentioning. And he has pretty good arm strength and everything, but it was just that, just like we mentioned with Penix, that could, those windows are so much tighter at the NFL level. So I just wanted to see more. The guys yeah. get better at that as they anticipated a little bit more. I thought this past game uh, against Bowling Green was him kind of making some rookie mistakes in the sense of I'm on the third, I'm on my first read and I'm hanging on it hell or high water. And I know I should be checking it down or getting to number two and then just still launching it anyways. And it's kind of one of those, yeah, you can get away with it against Bowling Green and yeah, you're trying some stuff, but the process of trying that stuff was a little bit, ah, man, Uh, you you don't want to see a guy doing that as they get more starts. That was like a freshman mistake. So I- I'm still not like, I mean, what did he show the first couple of weeks? I, I'm excited to see once his Big Ten schedule starts picking up and see how he operates. You're not going to get a ton of attempts out of him, just how Michigan plays. So you have to kind of, again, extrapolate what you do see. But I, I want to see him still trying stuff, but doing it more in the flow of the operation as opposed to kind of maybe going rogue. And that, that's a great point because against Bowling Green, I think he only had like 15 dropbacks. Um, it's, you know, it's so hard. <laughs> right. And part of that was by design because he was struggling a little bit. Three picks. Yeah. Um, you know, the one in in the red zone, he just wasn't fast enough with his eyes. You know, he just yep. wasn't seeing everything, especially with a condensed field like that. So yeah, it, it, it's something that again we're seeing him. This this is such a pivotal year for his quarterback development and we're watching it in real time so you know it's important not to overreact to the good and overreact to the bad um but just kind of take everything and the body of work as it presents itself and so it's this quarterback three conversation we've talked about it every episode and we're going to be talking about it every episode moving forward probably it's going to come up in some form or fashion um because it will be in flux all the way through april uh, i'm guessing as we kind of you know, debate how these quarterbacks shake out. And all these guys have resumes that they can build off of. It's not like a lot of like, we're squinting to like make, sure. a, make, make a guy happen. We're not trying to make fetch happen here. It's like, no, all these guys have cases and it's, that's, it's not the end of the year. Once the draft cycle really picks up and everybody asks when the beast is coming out, it's, this is September still. And that's the ebbs and flows of, as a prospect and watching these guys. And that's sometimes we, you know, we're going to talk about some guys after we have four weeks, six weeks to see. And that's really what it is at the end of the season. It's something I've benefited from the past. It's like, oh, I'm going to start watching college film in January. And yeah. I, oh, which ga- which games am I going to watch at J.J. McCarthy? Oh, I'm going to watch Penn State. And I'm going to watch Ohio State. That's right it. now, we have to respond to what he's doing right now. And that, that's the kind of fun of this. And also the things, like you said, you just don't want to get too high or low sometimes. Right. Yeah. No, that's that, that, that's well said. It's a it's double-edged sword. So next one on Twitter, uh, Jay Chappie Stick. God, uh, when <laughs> when you're in the middle of a play, <laughs> I get it, it can be hard to uh, want to slide or avoid hits if you're a big athletic guy like Anthony Richardson who doesn't shy from contact. What can the Colts do to get through to him on playing smarter, or is this all on AR? I love this question for you because obviously, um, you're first of all you're a big AR guy, yeah, uh, Anthony know. Richardson. Um, but you're also a big quarterback yourself, you know. Yeah. Like you have some perspective. Uh, now, obviously, you're not a four-three athlete. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I didn't run a four-four. <laughs> no, yeah. right. Um, but you know, it's you know he had a, the concussion on Sunday. Um, yeah. it, if you're say, just say you're the Colts quarterback coach, how do you suggest or train your quarterback to? just not be as reckless, um, but without losing that aggressiveness. I mean, I I don't think that you should stop calling quarterback runs. You know, it's part of what makes Anthony Richards, especially as a rookie, part of what makes him um, a productive quarterback. So how how do you teach a guy like this to better protect himself? You... And that's what you said right there too, is that it's always going to be a him. Like that's an aspect of his game is that he's going to be a runner. Like, and it's why not? You know, like get the two rushing touchdowns they had on Sunday were beautiful. And 
he's not a reckless scrambler, which I will give him credit for, even in college. Like he doesn't run just to run. Like he truly is trying to work from the pocket. So that's nice, at least in that aspect. But as a true, when he does tuck it and he is trying to get the extra yards, is learning not pick your fights. Mm. Is this the fourth quarter and we need a first down to win the game? Okay, do what you got to do. Is this middle of the second quarter on a second and eight and you're getting three yards? Okay, you don't have to try and truck a linebacker. This is guys like Dante Culpepper had to go through this. Um, Cam Newton is the number one example. Josh Allen has never learned this. He is still trying to do flips over guys in the middle of the first quarter on a third and 20 when he's 10 yards short of the sticks. And it's like, it's like, wait, wait can, some of these guys, you got to let them be athletes, but, and you can only say so much because then their instincts come into play. Right. But I, I think it's just that balance that you teach them. And I, I've always said, if you want to get through it, a quarterback is have them watch that 2016 week one Panthers versus Broncos game and watch the shots that the Broncos are taking on Cam Newton and how much that mm. altered his career. And, yeah. and, and I mean, that was other hits accumulated, but just really got to drive home the message is sometimes throw the ball away, sometimes slide. It's so much more accepted to slide now. It used to be back in the day, if you slid, you're just like, no, you get off the field. George O'Leary, when I was a freshman at UCF, was like, if you slide or run out of bounds, like I'm taking you off the field. Wow. So it was, yeah. So uh, like that's some guys instill that. But nowadays it's like, no, we are paying you a lot of money. You're the star of the team. We're going to use you. We have to save you. But you just have to get through to them and learn. That they're going to be that way. They're going to be a little bit of a wild horse. You want them to be, but it's just like maybe save the two, three hits that that will add up over the years. I mean, Richardson's 245 pounds. So, you know, you feel good about the body armor and the fact that he can be someone you uh, feel okay taking a few hits a game. But yeah, to your point, it's all about picking and choosing where those hits are coming and making sure uh, the juice is worth the squeeze, right? That's exactly it. Yeah, it, it's now dial, saying he, that and then dialing it home to to him to make sure that he grasps that, especially part. in the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's like Tim trying to tell Tim Tebow to change his uh, throwing motion. Like, it's not that easy, you know, no, like it's just not Bullets how, are flying. You're going to go back. You're going to revert back to what you know. And to right, Anthony Richardson, right. I'm going to try and truck this guy over. <laughs> it's, yes. It's these guys, they got here how they played their whole lives. Like that, mm-hmm. it, you're as a NFL coach. You're just giving them tools that they choose to use. And sometimes you it cuts through and sometimes they use them, but sometimes they're going to just keep playing and, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, but he's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. Uh, next one from our lads, Cy. How would you compare the tight end groups from 2023 to 2024? The 2023 group was one of the deepest we have seen, but 2024 looks more top heavy with average depth. What do you think about these this class so far, Dane, and how it compares to last year's class? Yeah, that's a good question. And David's a, a good follow, uh, by the way. If uh, if you aren't doing that already, he's uh, he's when it comes to draft coverage, he, he's pretty good. Um, this year's tight end class has a clear alpha at the top, right? With yeah. Georgia's Brock Bowers. <laughs> I mean, this guy. Uh, he, he was not someone else I included in my film room this week. His ability to find the hidden yards is just blows me away. I mean, the athleticism is great. The speed's great, but his competitive toughness with the ball in his hands is awesome. I mean, he, he will carry guys seven, eight yards and just those hidden yards add up over a game. It's just, it it is really fun to watch. So, I mean, this is a top 10 pick. I don't, I don't really need to sell Brock Bowers that much. He's an easy top 10 or easy first round guy, likely top 10 pick. Um, but he's the only tight end in this year's class that I really feel strongly about, you know, would be drafted ahead of Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer or Luke Musgrave or Laporta. So I think the 2023 class at at tight end, which, you know, we talked about so much leading up to the draft last year, I think it's stronger. And I think it is more top heavy with the exception of Bowers. Um, Jatavion Sanders from Texas is really athletic. I think he can be a weapon. But he's not clearly above that. The, those guys we mentioned uh, drafted top forty last year. I think, you know, we we, we both like Ohio State's Cade Stover as a top yep. senior. Um, Kansas State's uh, Ben Sanat is criminally underrated. I think he should be a he's day fun. two pick, but he's not a top forty guy necessarily. So I, I think that there and there's a few other tight ends in this class that really help the depth. But compared to last year. I don't know. I give the clear edge to 2023, both top heavy and depth with the exception of Bowers. That uh, how 
Bowers, I would still, I would probably had over Mayer, I think, pretty easily last year as well. Totally different types of players, but yeah. good in their own right. right. Uh, Bowers is a true difference maker as a pass catcher, while I think Mayer is like ultimately super useful and totally mm-hmm. different styles. But then the tight end, if any of those guys that went, shoot, we had what, Laporter, Tucker Craft, um, uh, Schoonmaker, any of those guys that were like tight end four, five, six, seven, I would have as tight end two in this class. I think that's the best way I could put it. Yeah. Just because I, I, I do like a couple of the guys, the ones that you just mentioned, the Kansas State tight ends are really fun, like kind of a Swiss Army knife type. Right. But I view that more as like, you know, third roundish, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a luxury kind of guy, a good teamer and everything, almost like Noah Grayish. I know he right. went day three, but maybe kind of like a plus size version of that. And I, I think the other ones are more, you know, receiving only which I always kind of knock back. While I thought a lot of the guys last year were good receiving onlys uh, type ends, but a lot of guys had a path to be that true inline Y, which I think is ultimately more valuable. So I would say Bowers is a true difference maker, a true needle mover. But then after that, all that big chunk of day two guys that went last year, I would have ahead of what's going on right now in this class. But it's yeah. not a bad class. <laughs> it's just that no. last year's yeah. class was just exceptional. Yes, yes. Yeah. We, we No, we see it the exact same way. Okay, awesome. All right, so next one is Mike Smeltz, uh, also on Twitter. If you had to rank, in parentheses, a loose ranking, uh, the top four position groups for the upcoming draft, what would they be? So obviously, we don't know. You know, the underclassmen are going to come out, things like no. that. So that that's it's it's early to do no this, but it, <laughs> yeah, at this point in the year. I think I'd go with offensive tackle at number one. Yeah. I, you have the absolute stud at the top with Penn State's Olu Fashnu, Um, and then potential for just amazing depth. I had more offensive tackles in my top 50 than any other position. Um, we also got a bunch of Olu questions, so I, we can talk about him right yeah. now. Um, I mean, this guy is – I've only had the chance to talk to him once, but he w- he blew me away um, as a person just – talking to him he's extremely smart um tell. yeah he's very uh, so just away from the tape as a as a guy as someone who he has a very keen understanding of his strengths as a player like he's he's the the cognitive ability there is really blew me away uh you can tell he studies this you could tell that he, he cares um the type of guy that you know once he dials you know really commits himself to something that's all he does, and he focuses on it, and he picks it apart, and he perfects it. Um, so I, and then of course you watch the tape, and you're like, oh gosh, the way this guy moves, the body control, the oh. the coordination, the feet, uh, the play strength. Um, not a perfect player. A lot of times his hands are late. You know mm-hmm. he. He'll fall off yeah, at block he, sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Pass rushers are making the the first uh, first contact, first meaningful contact. Which uh, you know he he can anchor and and halt that pretty quickly. But you know when you're going to go up against uh, NFL pass rushers, obviously you want to be a little more combative um, and, and control the rep. But this is a guy that has a lot of what you want in a tackle that you're considering top five and top seven pick. So. Yeah, I, I think offensive tackle is the first position that came to mind, and Olu at the top is a, a big reason for that. Uh, I love him. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's just well, an awesome we had player. A, uh, we had another question um, about the Olu. If you if you're a team and you have needs of both receiver and tackle, um, Olu versus Marvin Harrison conversation. Like, how do you? And this reminds me of a couple years ago with Jamar Chase versus. Uh, Penny Sewell, you know, with the Bengals at five, and that was a big talking point. And yeah. you know, which direction you go? And I, I think Ooh. at the end of the day, it, it comes down to, you know, uh, who do you just envision making the bigger impact for your team? Um, yep. it, it, it's it's hard to find either one of those guys, um, you know. But I I think I would, I, I in this situation, as much as I love Olu, I would lean Marvin Harrison Jr. just because he's so different, so yeah, special. 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 And what he offers. Um, so I would go, it, it's, it, it'd be harder to find a Marvin Harrison than it would be to find an Olu Fashinu. Not that you're going to find either one of those guys uh, as a plan B, but I think it'd be harder to find the receiver in that scenario. Um, but it's still an, an interesting thought process. Well, I think it speaks to both players, like even for me, like who can be very hard on receivers, especially taking them early. I have no qualms with taking Marvin Harrison Jr. in top five. Like, yes. I, it's like, I just, yeah, he's that special. The fact that Olu is even in the consideration 
And even for me, I would maybe at certain team makeups, I go, well, yeah, I'll take the tackle over base. Again, it's all going to come down to the team. The fact that he's even in that conversation with how high we are on Marvin Harrison Jr. is like speaks to Olu and the ability that he has. I, I love him. I, I think he's fantastic. He's one of the best tackle prospects I've watched in a while. Um, and he only gets better. And it's it's really cool just watching technique. You said you spoke to his intelligence, and you could see that in the in the film even last year was when defenses run blitzes and games and twists. His eyes are perfect, and the fact that he has doesn't have a ton of starts and he's already showing that. I should say perfect. That's mean, but it's uh, as good as you could hope uh, for someone that has that many starts. And it, it's just yeah, he he's a, especially with athletic traits and everything. Um, also. Outside, so outside of tackle, how did you rank the top four position groups? So you went tackle first. Tackle then, first. Um, second, I'd go quarterback. I went um, QB, yeah. Yeah, star power yeah, at the top, uh, obviously, yeah. and then just the quarterback. Three conversation, the depth that yeah. we'll see throughout day three. Um, it, it'll it'll really be interesting which quarterbacks say, man, screw this. I'm going back to school because right. this is this is ridiculous. Um, even all-star games, like, you know, the Senior Bowl – uh, you know, cutting doing their cut list to. I mean, I think they're going to have to take eight quarterbacks. Uh, sometimes some years they t- only take six. I think you're going to have yeah. to take eight. Shrine game, same thing. Um, I but no matter if you go to the Shrine or the Senior Bowl as a quarterback, there's enough of these all-star spots to go around that there's going to be a lot of these quarterbacks uh, a good chance to show off what they can do. So yeah, uh, did you go offensive tackle at one too? I went, oh, t- yeah, tackle one, QB two. Okay. And then right. I went receiver three, but I'm actually that, curious that, where you went. That's where I went, yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. Again, it's like it's like tackle. You have the stud at the top with Marvin Harrison, yep. Yep. Um, uh, several other first-round possibilities. The senior class of receivers I don't think is as uh, necessarily exciting as we've had mm-hmm. in, in other years. Um, Malachi Corley, uh, at Western Kentucky uh, receiver I like quite a bit. Had a pretty good game against Ohio State over the weekend. But even him, he, he's not a first-round guy. Uh, probably not a top 50 guy. Um, but still, the underclassmen that we yeah. potentially see coming out. And I know we have a wide receiver question later I think we'll get to. Um, you know, That's something that uh, y- you see the depth, the potential depth, and it's yeah. easy to get excited about some of these weapons. Oh, I mean – even just watching random games, or I should say random, but Colorado, Colorado State. Here comes Horton from Colorado State. Yeah. And I think you said he was a borderline top 100 guy for you or trying to make a case for that. And Coming into the year, yeah. I mean, And that's yeah. what I, I wrote about him last week going into that game. It was funny because last week for my NFL Draft Watch, my weekly article, I was thinking, all right, we have no ranked matchups this year, this week. Like, what am I going to write about? And I was like, <laughs> right. oh, okay. I was like, this is perfect. It's a perfect weekend to watch a group of five, group of five prospects. So, okay, watch Western Kentucky against Ohio yeah. State to check out Malachi Corley, to check out Austin Reed, the quarterback. Yeah. These guys will be drafted um, probably in the top 125, 150 picks. Also, Torrey Horton, he's the one that led off the article against all eyes are on Colorado, but Colorado yeah. State has a receiver who I think I, he's long, he's, he's got speed, he's going to run the four fours. He was um, great. Really <laughs> was good ball skills. So yeah, good. I, I want to see him get a little bit bigger. He's really yeah. lean, um, but you know, but he's it, a guy. I mean, they're, they're killing him with all those crossing routes, but I was so impressed with how he got north and was bouncing yeah. off guys. Like He mm-hmm. was creating like five, six yards of pop, which I – for a long leggy guy like that, getting north like that was super impressive. How twitchy he was! So sorry yeah. to cut you off, but I he he really impressed me on Saturday. Night. I was really really big fan of his. I, I was glad that he was able to have that type of stage to kind of yeah. tell people, "Hey, I, I I'm a legitimate guy." And yeah, so coming into that that game, I thought he was a third fourth round pick um, with a chance to you know get a little bit higher as we get closer to the draft. But yeah, that that's. Uh, Tory Horton's a that's a good shout out. He's a top five, top six senior receiver this year. Yeah, uh, it, they, they, there's some interesting guys that are kind of really coming to fruition. And then what was the fourth position to add on your on your list here? So I think you could say edge rusher. I think okay. you know we've been underwhelmed right uh, by the guys at the top, but, but they're the still depth, yeah. yeah first round top forty type of guys. You know guys that could be useful and maybe develop into more. Um, I think defensive tackle is a really strong group. Mm-hmm. They've got a case for this spot. I'm going to say corner. Um, <laughs> okay, I said corner. So I actually okay. thought you were going to go edge there, but so we had the exact same. Top there we go. Well, I actually was curious where you went with the number four here. I kind of went corner by default just because it yeah. had a little bit more at the top, I thought, than edge did. So, but I want to hear kind of your case as well. You know, way better than I do. 
Well, and like wide receiver, uh, the volume of guys, right? We just yeah. we have so many corners that it makes it easier to be excited about uh, the depth and just because there's so many options. So um, I like the corners at the top, uh, and uh, the depth's really promising. So yeah, yes. I, I think that's. Uh, uh, the, I mean, we've got a question coming up talking about more corners, say, right? This we got a great segue coming up right here. here the next go. question is Alex Katzen. How do you see the corner class right now? Seems like there isn't a solidified number one guy right now. Is it fair to say we might only see one or two in round one? I, I, I'm I more optimistic than that. I, I think we'll see, you know, at least three in the first round, yeah. maybe more. Um, Kool-Aid McKinstry, he's not going to be from Alabama corner. He won't be for everyone, but he's a terrific prospect. Um, yeah. You know, he's not going to run a 4-4-2 and, you know, the speed won't necessarily blow you away, but he's just a really he's a smart, good-sized player, has length, knows how to use it. Um, it there's just a lot to like about Kool-Aid. I'm still super high on Nate Wiggins from Clemson. I think he's the best defensive player on that team. He just I doesn't like get him. enough credit. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I just, I'm not sure why many are sleeping on him. Uh, he's a first he round guy. Of all the guys, he looks the part. Like, yeah, I mean, Kool-Aid absolutely. does too, but like, I look at him and how he moves. I'm like, that's a corner. That's an yeah. NFL corner right there. So sorry to cut you off again, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you highlighted Nate Wiggins before the season. Cause I got to kind of watch, keep an eye on him as the season's gone along. Yeah, he had a pick six. Uh, it's against FAU, but still, he had a pick six on Saturday. So, um, making some plays out there. Uh, Cooper DeGene from Iowa. This is a first round player. Uh, awesome, I, I'm, I'm not budging on that take. He's a first round player. Um, yeah. One of the best all around DBs in college football. Um, Kalen Keen, King from Penn State. He's also yep. in the mix. So, I mean, that, that's. But that's four. That's four. Yeah, that's yeah. four right there. And then, yeah. you know, look, we always have guys at the position that they rise throughout the season. Yes. Uh, last year, it was Deontay Banks, right, from Maryland. Yes. Um, two years ago, uh, Northwestern, uh, uh, Greg Newsom to the Browns. Yep. You know, he was a late riser that uh, even for scouts, uh, I, I know st- talking to some scouts, didn't really – and he was an underclassman too, so they hadn't done enough work on him at that point. But it wasn't until November, December that they realized, oh, okay, this guy's legit. So this year, you know, who's going to be that guy, uh, that corner who rises up late? Ohio State's Denzel Burke. He's been awesome through three yeah. games. He looked more like that 2021 version of Denzel Burke uh, as a, a freshman when he looked like a future first rounder. So yeah, that that I think. This is a position where it's a stopwatch position, so we yes. can see late risers all the time. Um, and But we also see some athletes, especially underclassmen, kind of come out of nowhere in uh, you know, October, November and say, hey, I belong in that first round mix as well. It's because corner just by nature, it's there's so many lulls and where they're not doing stuff on film, but also the box score numbers. You can't guy might have 22 yeah. tackles and one pick. So you look at their stat and you're like, oh, I don't see a star here. You know, like you said, Nate Wiggins gets a pick six and all of a sudden you keep an eye on that. Yes. But if a guy doesn't have a lot of action, a lot of box scores, that might not be their fault until you start watching them. Until, and what we talk about with J.J. McCarthy and matchups. You don't right. sometimes get guys until you see, oh, okay, all right, I'm watching uh, – I'm just making one up here. but I'm, Okay, I'm watching Florida against Vanderbilt. Oh, well, Vanderbilt has a corner. I might have to keep an eye on it. Just making up an example. But that that's what ha- kind of happens. You have to wait for matchups to kind of bring your eye to, eyes to it. You mentioned – the Ohio State corner as potential riser. Our next question, another segue. It's like you you lined this pretty perfectly. There you go. Uh, uh, Rich G seven eighty said it's early in the season. I know, but there is a pro. Is there? But is there a prospect you expect to rocket up draft boards through the All Star games and co- combine process? So yeah, this this dovetails nicely because um, uh, there are a few corners that I don't think would get enough attention, but could see them rising throughout the process. Uh, Toledo's Quinion Mitchell, six one, okay. two hundred pounds. Uh, he, he ran in the four threes over the summer for NFL scouts. Um, I think he's a guy that going to the all-star games, going to the combine, he'll test really well. I think he'll be a riser. Uh, TJ Tampa from Iowa state, uh, another senior corner, uh, another guy with size, six, three, 200 pounds, not going to run quite as well as Mitchell, but still going to test well. He's a former Hooper, uh, basketball scholarships in high school. Uh, the jumps will be pretty impressive. Uh, should run on the four fours. So uh, Tampa's another guy to keep on the radar. And then uh, Jade Barron from Texas. He had a, okay. that pick against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaches rave about him, the impact he's had in the secondary. So uh, those three corners, uh, Mitchell, okay. uh, Tampa, and Barron, all, th- all three seniors, guys that I don't hear talked about a ton. Don't be surprised if maybe those three are 
quote-unquote risers between now and April. No, those are good ones. That, and that, like we said, just like from the last question, those are, that's the position. As soon as they get that the is, clock, oh, wow, you got 32 and a half inch arms. Oh, you just ran a four or four flat. Oh, oh okay. Oh, let's, let's go back to that tape that we maybe skimmed over before. <laughs> that, that's and, and it's out. a great point about, you know, you can't, you can't look at the box score and understand it's, what a corner did on, you know, it just, impossible. it doesn't tell you. Like, look obviously, Sauce Gardner. Like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, that, like that's why with Sauce Gardner, I was late to the party on Sauce Gardner because I, I knew he was good, but I was yeah. like, okay, is he really a top five pick or is he more of a mid to late first round? Because he, no one targeted him. You know, like, it was so hard to get a, a true read on uh, how good he was when nobody throws in his direction. Yeah. And I mean, finally, by the time, you know, we get to the draft process, I'm like, yeah, I'm a believer in this guy. He's a, uh, you know, he finished fifth overall or whatever in my rankings. Um, but I mean, he was a guy that I was a little bit late to because we just didn't see enough targets going his way. And I think obviously you'd love, you want to see these corners with double digit passes defended and yeah. you know at least four picks, five picks, whatever, but it just doesn't always work out like that. And another, another example of that, that I've learned from is Martin Emerson to the Browns. Yeah. Um, he, I, one thing that I really just did not like about him at Mississippi state is the ball production. It just, it really bugged me with him. And I ended up, and I, I like the athlete. I like the size. I liked his demeanor, but I, I knocked him down because the lack of ball skills, the lack of ball production, it really turned me off. And I, I was wrong on him because, you know, even though the ball production wasn't there, um, and the ball production really hasn't been there in the NFL either, but he's still a really, really good, good player, good corner. I think the Browns got themselves a steal with what was a third rounder, mid third rounder. Uh, I think he's a really good player. But I remember when he got drafted, my only thing I had to say about him was I was like, oh, Browns are uh, sticking to their, their type. They drafted the youngest player remaining. And I think that <laughs> was, that's yeah. the only note I had on him going into it. I know the guy. Uh, we're, we're going to bleach report the person that was in charge of the DBs. Like he liked him, uh, but it wasn't like an overwhelming like. It wasn't like, oh, I have a first round mm-hmm. grade on him. But that's the thing. Corners is hard. <laughs> Corners is hard to scout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is such a hard position. I mean, uh, those you, there's so much in between that you have to pay attention to, and you just don't know. And they're so scheme dependent at times, too. That's so it. it's, that's it, it. it's, it's so, very, very hard. Some guys, you, you could watch as much film as you want, and you'll never see them backpedal. You know, like it's just right. What they're asked to do in college and projecting that forward, like it's just, it is a very difficult position to to scout. Um, Not in every situation, but definitely in some. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, next one, also on Twitter from Josh Trailer03. How's Paris Johnson Jr. doing so far? Uh, off, he's an offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals, his top 10 pick. Not too many people are talking about him, but he seems to be doing pretty well. Dane, did you get a, take a peek at Paris Johnson Jr. so far this season? And what'd you think? So I did the opener. Um, I didn't get to the Giants game yet, but Perfect. I Perfect. Thought- I did the Giants game and I didn't do Perfect. the opener. So there we go. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That works. Uh, we did not plan that. Uh, I, thought, I thought he played really well in week one against <laughs> Washington. Um, well I, I was... I was interested in how he would do at right tackle because he was a left tackle and a guard at Ohio State. So this is a new position for him. Um, Washington's got that nasty front and he held his own in pass pro. Uh, I I think he had maybe one pressure. Or I'd say it, it was like a half pressure. I, I wouldn't even call it a full pressure. Um, he had, did have one penalty, but no sacks, no glaring mistakes that led to the offense unraveling. Um, run blocking was a little more of a, an area that needs work, but mm-hmm. I was really encouraged by what he put on film in the, in week one. I was super encouraged. The Giants game was great. Uh, a couple of okay. like late leak plays, but, uh, like, you know, where a guy wins late, but mm-hmm. at least that first two, two and a half seconds, it looked great. I also thought his, this is natural. He was such a young player. And again, like it was, did not a lot of time at left tackle and all that was his pass sets were a lot more consistent as far as slowing down. You know how he kind of like, he would always have a shoulder, he would get caught with his shoulders turned a little bit right. sometimes and it creates some edginess. And it's like, dude, you're such a good athlete. Just calm down. Like you're going to be fine. He's already kind of improving that area, which is really kind of encouraging to see as like somebody in his second start and he's doing it at right on the right side. So um, I think it's also fair to ask him to do it on the right side uh, with his youth 
uh, you know, it's kind of scary to have a blind side for a uh, rookie tackle. Um, also with DJ Humphreys and the team makeup and everything. But I think, um, I thought he looked good. I, I was very, I, I like Paris Johnson a lot going in this process, but I think so far the, it, it looks like a good baseline building block for this Cardinals team that needs them. And I, yeah. I've been, I've been impressed. I've been actually, I thought I was going to say he was going to do fine. He's doing fine right now, but I was actually impressed of how he's looked so far. Yeah, and that and that's if you're the Cardinals, you love you love that because that's what you want. You want that building block. You want a yes. cornerstone that you can build around. And so far, so good with him. Yeah, that's all you want. Uh, the next one on, off of Twitter. Next question for a mailbag is that Brett guy that underscore Brett underscore guy uh, has Keon Coleman from Florida State wide receiver solidified himself as receiver two in this draft class. I think solidified is too strong a word Um, for this point in the process, at least, you know, he's absolutely in the conversation for wide receiver two. And I can, I can understand the case that he's the favorite maybe at this point. Um, but I'd say he's a leader in the clubhouse right now, yeah. but there's a lot of golf to be played. <laughs> That's and yeah, perfectly put. Because I mean, against uh, Mississippi State on Saturday, Malik Neighbors kind of reminded everyone why oh he's also in that conversation. Thirteen yeah. catches, two hundred and thirty some yards, two touchdowns. Um, his ability to put corners just in a blender with that route acceleration is is awesome. Um, Amika Buka from Ohio State. The, the production, the numbers aren't necessarily just popping off the page, but he had two touchdowns um, on Saturday that were just really impressive. Um, he's still one of the most talented wideouts in the country. New quarterback, so take some time. Um, eager to see him against Notre Dame on, on Saturday. Uh, the body control ball skill is just so good with him. Um, and I mentioned um, Odunze earlier. So, yep. yeah, this is – it's almost like that quarterback three rate. Uh, yep. race um, it, it's it's going to be fun to talk about throughout the process there's going to be uh, ups and downs for all these guys and it, especially with receivers it's important to remember that with this topic just every receiver is different with what they offer and yeah. as much as we want to say oh no this guy's definitely wide receiver too or I mean the reality is the answer is going to be different for each team based on the roster depending on the type of receiver they're looking for Keon Coleman and Ibuka they play the same position, but they don't, right? So it's just right. like one team could prefer one, another team prefers another. It's just it's important to remember that context, um, or you know, for for fans to remember that context as we debate who should be the receiver too. It's just going to d- differ depending on exactly what you're looking for. It's just like even. Uh, well, when they're all in the same tier, that's when it comes down to just what flavor you want, what flavor yeah. you want to pick for your team. We, we might have a guy built just like Keon Coleman. So, all right, we want more of the kind of bruiser Z or zone beating Z. We might want to like more of a slot guy. Like you never know what these teams want or we will once the process goes along. But that's exactly it. I think there's a lot in that tier where it's not just like Marvin Harrison, blank, tier one. Okay, tier mm-hmm. two's just Keon Coleman. It's like, no, tier two's got, like you mentioned, half dozen guys. At this point in time. And even I, what I do like about this receiver class in particular is that it's different than last year's, where, which had so many undersized guys. And this year it's like, okay, we got some size. Like we yes. got some real X's and Z's now, some real guys, vertical guys. And like I said, zone beaters, blockers. So I'm getting excited about that. So I think that's, like you said, it's just always important to remember the tier and also just the flavor that all these teams want. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at my, um, I just put up my receiver rankings in front of me. I'm looking at just the underclassmen and like the top six or seven are all above six foot. Um, now, I mean, that might be a little generous with a guy like Ibuka who's, you know, right on the fringe, but I mean, these guys are all, you know, decent size. And then you've got, uh, you know, a guy like, uh, like Keon Coleman, who's a legit six, four or you know, Marvin Harrison, six, three and a half. And, um, uh, Odunza is six three, so yep. yeah, it's a uh, it, it is a receiver group of size and guys that maybe are a little more tr- traditional with what teams are looking for for an outside yep. receiver. I like Odunze. Odunze is yep. that is that I, I like him. He's he, of those Washington receivers. He's the one that like is my oh, he, he's, he, he, he's could, he could do everything because he has so, size, he has speed, yep. he can break tackles. It's ridiculous. I mean, he is a he's a really good player. Oh, he's a, he's a Vegas guy. I actually didn't know that. I went to Bishop, Bishop Gorman right down the road yeah, from me. They, they've produced but, some guys. Uh, yeah, one or two. Uh, mm. The guy that I'm, I'm sticking with my comparison for him is Chris Godwin. So that's my uh, that's my high, high-end comparison for him. But what Not role bad. I think I could see him as. Uh, yeah. Next next one from Twitter, and our, we have two more here, uh, is from Ski Smith 21 
would love to hear what what your top 10 prospects looked like from five to six years ago, now that we know what they are as NFL players. Who do you regret including and who do you regret, regret not including? So I believe you looked at your 2018 uh, kind of big board and the, that draft class for maybe this exercise. Yeah, pulling that up. Um, okay, so hindsight's undefeated, right? We know that. Oh, yeah. um, it, but it is interesting doing these lookbacks because it's – We've had a healthy sample size of who these players are in the NFL. Obviously, mm-hmm. we write about some of these guys, we're wrong about some, but understanding the process of how we got there is always is always really interesting. So yeah, I'm looking up my top ten from the 2018 draft. This is the the Darnold, Baker, Josh Allen draft, uh, but also had a lot of pretty good non quarterbacks that year. Uh, Nate, where were you for the 2018 draft? 2018 draft, I was in the AAF. <laughs> I okay. was I was just joining the Atlanta Legends and okay. uh, getting getting that show off the road that uh the the only had a couple shows uh before that thing closed out. So uh yeah, <laughs> but that's that I was looking at a lot of practice squads at that time. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a lot of guys that were recently cut maybe in the CFL. <laughs> uh so that's what I was doing more than looking at maybe this 2018 draft class. I do gotcha. know that Sam Darnold was my QB1 for this class. I I I was a Sam Darnold guy. Uh, so that has yes. anyone that's listened has known that, but I will say my redeeming thing is that Josh Allen was my QB too. Uh, so going into this and then, but yeah, I was a big Darnold guy. I, I thought he had, he has everything I like. He still does. Uh, maybe just not the processing that I've always, <laughs> that, that, that maybe I've wanted, but I have learned some things. So I probably, I'm sure we'll talk about who was your uh, QB said, one in this class. Uh, it was Darnold. I was a Darnold was guy too? as well. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like a Josh Allen apologist, but I didn't rank him as high as that. I mean, I still had him in the first round, but he didn't make my top 10. Um, All right, so I'll just just roll through it. Uh, At one was Quentin Nelson. Uh, Now, look, I'm not advocating to draft a guard with the first pick, but this was just a, look, he's the best football player I've watched, so I'm putting him at one. So, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. Um, is. Quentin Nelson was one. Yeah, (laughs) Minka Fitzpatrick was two, actually, which, you know, this is – and that's a good example of – I was okay being wrong on draft day because Mika didn't even go in the top 10 that year. But I felt really good about the ranking um, uh, just because he was such a good football player. Again, just like Quentin Nelson at one. Give me the best football player. Yeah. And, you know, Minka was at two. Uh, Three was Bradley Chubb, pass rusher. Four, uh, Saquon Barkley. Five, cornerback Denzel Ward. Uh, Six was the first quarterback, Sam Darnold. Seven, linebacker Roquan Smith. Eight was uh, Derwin James. Uh, nine. This is this is the the, the rough one. Quarterback Josh Rosen, uh, and then ten was uh, Calvin Ridley. So it, I don't. Were you on Twitter back good, then? I, I don't know if you I were. Was not. Okay, I, but I, I got on Twitter. Or I had a Twitter, but I didn't really like start tweeting till the AAF closed in uh, okay. <laughs> spring <laughs> that next that following spring of 2019. I just remember so much discourse with with Ridley. Uh, specifically at the combine, he he was a guy that year where all through the process he was the guy. Uh, but yeah. then he goes to the combine and he jumped like it was like thirty one on the vert. Okay. Like a short shuttle was bad. Um, he did well in the forty. It was like a four four. But I remember just getting killed in, in my mentions because all of a sudden Calvin really wasn't good anymore. It, it was just really strange. I was like, guys, watch the tape. This guy is just dusting corners up and down the field. With uh, as a route runner with that speed, um, I don't care if he if his vertical is what it is. I mean, this I'm trusting the tape with this guy, right. and I, I don't know that that was such a weird weird thing during that combine. It, it, it was it was all over the place. He was such a clean prospect. I, I even like the, yeah. mostly even just TV scouting. It was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, this guy's a re- real receiver, and look how he looks in the pros. He looks like a, very much a real receiver. He looks just fine. Yeah. Yeah. A guy like Bradley Chubb, like that, that's how, what were your kind of feelings on him throughout the process? I, I, I know because he tested very well, I believe, and he was just uh, like, I never fully, fully got around on him, but I would be lying if I said I scouted him and like had a report on him or anything. But like, what'd you feel about him? Because I, I know he was graded high by everybody at that point in time. Yeah. And I think this was in the time where it's like, okay, Chandler Jones is doing some really nice things. Yeah. Uh, Brad, and okay, Chubb's. He's got some of that because he's six four and a half, two hundred seventy pounds. He's long. He ran in the mid four sixes in the forty. Good athlete, um, and he was productive. He had back to back years of double digit sacks at NC State. So it's like okay, production checks out. He's got pretty good tape. He's good against the run. Like there's, I felt like there's a lot of things. Now he wasn't that 
elite get off Von Miller yeah. type of player. He's just, just a little bit different. Um, but the way the, the fact that he could win in multiple ways, um, I, that that's what really sold me on Chubb or why I was optimistic about what he could be at the next level. So, um, yeah, I, I, he was what my third guy I said. So yeah, I, I, he was pretty high for me. I don't know if he's necessarily lived up to it. Now injuries yeah. have played a part, but um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good it, player. He's one of those that he's good, but it's just maybe in a different way than I think people pictured when you take a guy that early in the draft. Yeah. And I think that it's that disconnect. It's like he's still a good player and everything. And like, yeah. yeah, not very, a Bosa, very, not a yeah, maybe not even a, a Khalil Mack. I don't close, I guess, but you know, it's. Not it's, not Chase Young, but yeah, he was yeah. taken. Wait, what, what pick was he? T- he was taken fourth. fourth. fifth okay, overall. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know that's. I know that his kind of career is always kind of like stuck with me because he was just such a unique guy. Um, well, and, the, that, and, the, and that was the year Elway took him instead of Josh Allen, which was a yes. big. That you know, obviously hindsight's undefeated again, <laughs> right. but uh, that I know that that was a big talking point. And Elway likes tall quarterbacks. I mean, that's, like, that's right. exactly what Josh Allen was big, big arm. I mean, just yeah, it, yeah there he was happen. like, it's too much like far. I don't want this. Uh, by going it like by all those quarterbacks, like how maybe did you tear them? And this, this thing, this is not to like kind of go like, oh, you had Rosen up there and everything, because this quarterback class amongst all these ones where a lot of quarterbacks go high did have so many flavors and different types and different right. narratives around them, you know, with Baker and his success and him being kind of like an analytics darling with his stats mm-hmm. and everything and hype around him as far as winning a bunch of college games and the Heisman and all that. Um, but then, yeah, Josh Allen's the, was the huge wild card. Lamar Jackson was in this class. It's so kind of like, do you remember like kind of your initial feelings with all this? Because um, it, I remember this, the discourse about this quarterback class was just, Tremendous. <laughs> there was a oh, lot about yeah. it. <clears throat> well, I remember <clears throat> I had all five in the first round. I, I thought all five were now how you tiered them. That was always something you debated because a guy like Baker, who's so accurate, um, you know, you felt good about, all right, that accuracy is going to, that's going to transition well to the, the pro game. Uh, he moves, he's got that subtle pocket movement. He's yeah. when he's locked in, it looks nice. And Hey, it looked good on Sunday uh, for the bucks when he was locked in making some, anticipation throws and um you know it, baker when he's when he's on a heater man it looks nice um and so i understand why he went one uh to the browns um he was my third quarterback that year but i also had first round grades on then josh allen and lamar jackson Al- allen as people were again talking about twitter at that time everyone was anti josh allen i mean yep. it was it, people almost took it personally it was weird but um you know i just the fact that he was so big and so uh, had so many tools to work with, yep. it's just, he, you know, the accuracy just got better and better and better. And this is taking into context the fact that he didn't grow up going to quarterback schools and quarterback trainers, and he was still very much learning on the, on the go. And yep. that played a part in why uh, a lot of people had optimism about where he was headed and his trajectory. And then, you know, with Lamar Jackson – Obviously, a Heisman Trophy winner, um, a guy that, you know, there was so much the explosive nature of his game, um, you know, the athleticism, uh, the way that you felt like he got better and you can continue to see him getting better. And, um, you know, even if he did need uh, training wheels to start, he was going to bust out of those training wheels pretty quickly because he's just too good, too talented uh, to to just not to not be something. And so right. I thought all five of these guys were first round players, and yeah. um, a little surprised Lamar fell as far as he did. Uh, you know, the Ravens taking him with the last pick in the first round wasn't even the Ravens' first first round pick that year, right. which is crazy to think about. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it, it's it's funny to look at now with hindsight. That's for sure. I know. And that's even for me, my feelings on this class. And again, it wasn't like a deep dive study. It was more just me. I, I like to watch all the quarterbacks anyways. It was, I had Rosen high too. It wasn't yeah. like, I'm like, ha ha ha, Josh Rosen. You watch Josh Rosen. That was, he threw some pretty balls. His clean, mechanics yeah. were great. Clean, clean. And it was, I could see the path so easily. I was like, yeah, he's got good size. He's a pretty good athlete as far as like, can, I would say as a creator, but like can throw on the move. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this guy's path I could see just so easily. But talking about like quarterbacks that are already maxed out and getting to the pros and then also the room for growth and taking a Josh Allen or, or in basketball taking a Giannis and just mm-hmm. going like, hey, 
what's not like i mean we're swinging for the fences might as well really jack it <laughs> really yeah. put a full swing into it so um i liked alan just for for just because of that it was just like i i had an experience of being around a more or less inexperienced quarterback with dante culpepper and seeing kind of a project guys work out um alan was even more of a project i i think just because it's just everything and you can never you're betting on mentality and work ethic but you never right. know once these guys get paid you never know when these guys move across the country and like yeah josh allen has worked to create this what we know him now so that class is always just a really fun kind of like litmus test uh as far as how you feel and what you saw and i think there's a ton to learn for from because well, it's like it darnold's kind of, a great been a great learning experience yeah. for me too like he really has just some of the things that i glossed over before like as far as like getting to the next read trying some stuff that you shouldn't mm-hmm. try i was like oh he'll grow out of it he'll grow out of it he'll be fine he's so young he's fine and that's then, it right right that, yeah and, and he was, he was a redshirt sophomore coming out yeah. like he was there's yeah it's interesting comparing that quarterback class to the what 2021 class where yeah. you know with trevor lawrence and yeah. uh trey lance and uh zach wilson justin fields mac uh mac jones um i mean where we're sitting right now only one of those quarterbacks we feel i mean, just speak for myself only one of those quarterbacks i feel good about moving forward I uh obviously being lawrence and so it that's and mac jones is probably the one i feel second best about and he was the fifth one to go yeah it's hard you have to really uh justify why you would feel mac jones could lead you to a super bowl you know yep. like it's it, it's hard to really believe that and it, it's it's kind of crazy just looking at those two quarterback classes with you know, five quarterbacks taken uh in the first round each draft mm-hmm. um and the two drafts have played out very differently totally differently the, t- the yeah. top guy worked out for one the other one is now on his fourth team i believe at this point in time it's it's crazy it's crazy uh, it i is. mean that, that how, class- how much do, do you think the jets would love to have uh oh Sam Darnold right now. <laughs> like it's just it's funny <laughs> right? just funny how that works. It. Right. I, I know, mean I know. They got their next one already there. <laughs> yeah, I, they, I mean, the Jet the Jets draft picks are kinda like they kinda like show what happened. Uh who they took Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. The kinda yeah. the Jets are always involved in both in this way, uh both times. Yeah. Uh I think that's gonna do it for this mailbag for on prospects to pros thank you guys so much for joining us thank you to dane as always we will be here again next week on wednesday i'll see you guys next time this was the athletic football shows prospects to pros podcast